We are geek-centric, and you can be too. Yo, and welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast. My name is Justin, and in today's episode, we're saying, Get over here! As we discuss the latest trailers and news from around the Geekiverse. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is a weekly show covering the world of film, television, gaming, toys, collectibles, and all things Geek-Centric. Joining me on the show, we have the king of flawless victories, Nate Shelton. <laughs> Nate wins. <laughs> and on a screen just next to him, we have the combo killer, Kevin Hudson. I was positive you were going to make some joke about uh, restarting or me dying. I th- yeah, I, I thought know. about it. The restart kid, Kevin Hudson. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Isn't combo killer, isn't that, isn't it, isn't that from like Killer Instinct or something? I don't know. I, I chose something that was video game reference. True. It's, there's a lot of combos. There's a lot of combos. As long as, That's as, as, long as you're spelling combo with, with a K, okay. you're, you get a point. There you it's go. All good. There you go. How you guys doing? How's your week been? Good. It seems like Good busy. Yes, it's, it seems like we we just did all of this, and yes, it, time is flying by. Uh, which <laughs> what is time? Yeah, what is time? Uh, especially when you waste that time watching stuff, and that's going to lead us right into our first part of our show here. What ya? Let's start with you, Kev. What you been up to, brah? Um, you know, like as you guys just mentioned, it's it's it seems you know when you're when you're doing one of these every three or four days, uh, you know, there's not that much time in between, and so uh, I mean, what little time I did have, uh, I was able to finish up season two of Succession, um, so that left me uh, just wanting more of that. Uh, I can't imagine the people who've been waiting a couple years since the end of season two. Uh, at least my wait will hopefully only be until some point this year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I feel like it's kind of like my duty and my 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 task of the show is to stick with Snowpiercer so that uh, at least one of us can say we'll, we yes. did it. Yeah, we, uh, we thank um, you for that sacrifice and appreciate it's, you know, it. <laughs> it's, it's only about fifty five minutes a week I can handle it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think I'm kind of just in between um, you know uh, projects, if you will. I'm just waiting for some new things to start up. I've sort of ru- ran the gamut on a lot of the shows I've been planning to watch for the last few months so uh yeah uh you know and just sticking with my boys in blue still top of the nhl what can i say (laughs) awesome awesome nate what you been up to man i'm sure you got a list for us today Actually, not really. No, I mean, I uh, no, it's you know, it's been busy um, uh, with work and everything. But I did get a chance to watch a few things. Um, Disney Plus. I've really been enjoying Inside Pixar, mm. uh, which is a fantastic documentary series. They just put out a bunch more episodes uh, on the twelfth, and um, and it's interesting. They kind of the first series of episodes was called Inspired, and this one's called Portraits. Uh, and it focuses a little bit more on maybe some of the lesser known people at Pixar. Uh, one that really stood out to me, though, uh, Barney Jones is a music editor at Pixar. And it, the, the craziest thing is there is a guy at Pixar, Barney Jones, who composes a ton of music that no one will ever hear because his whole job, his whole job is to literally just find music that fits the feeling and then he passes that off to a composer who actually composes the songs for the movies. So 
it it just it blows my mind the amount of work and and hard work and stuff that people will never sort of see but you can still tell just how with how special Pixar movies you know kind of come out uh, you can see how much goes into that that just that just brings new meaning to unsung hero you know like yeah. literally yeah. his music literally, is legitimately. unsung like wow <laughs> yeah. You know? wow yeah um, I also, I'm also playing some PGA tour 2k 21 with my dad hitting the, the links, <laughs> Kevin, is that how I say it? Hitting you, the links? You, wow. You're getting the lingo down and everything. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's, um, it's, it, it's pretty, it's pretty tough. It's not the it's easiest. It's the game. hardest sports video game there is, man. <laughs> so the fact that you're like picking it up and doing well, whereas my brother and I, who religiously play these things, we're yeah. like, that one's a bit too hard. Let's go to the dumbed down EA Sports version. <laughs> um, so that just shows your your experience that you can pick up a game like this and just you know shooting shooting birdies all day long. Yeah, I'm getting like my f- fifth birdie in a row, and my my dad's getting really mad. And it it's kind of funny though because like. Like when it was me and uh, N64 and my dad and we were playing Mario Tennis, he would beat me all day when I was a little kid. And now we're playing uh, PGA Tour 2K21 and he's I'm just destroying. I mean, he's getting a little bit better. He's getting a little better. But that's that's almost the problem with these sports games now is they're becoming so realistic that I'm like, I'm not even just as bad as I am in real life at sports. I'm worse somehow. And it's like, (laughs) I want to play a game to escape that sort of that. I want to be good at the sport for once in my life. And now I'm (laughs) shooting it into the woods on this golf game, you know, and I don't even have a real club to slam against the ground. So I'm not even getting that (laughs) satisfaction. Yeah. Those controllers are expensive. Don't, don't slam those. Um, The last thing I just want to really quickly shout out. uh, I've been, as you guys know, I've been watching a, a series of, indie films uh and i got to watch uh the what i what i think everyone would prefer to call the last uh indie uh film of the series i watched indiana jones and the last crusade and let me just get right off the bat here river phoenix as young indie was dope like that opening well and 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 even just compared it's the second time we've almost seen like a um an origin story for a Harrison Ford character and I'm right. sure people enjoyed those 6 or 7 minutes where you see where he gets his fear of the snakes and the this the 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 scar from the whip and just all these neat little details and it was 6 <laughs> minutes versus a full feature length movie you know where people are like did I really need to see how Han Solo got this or that you know for just sure. interesting juxtaposition between the way those are handled but that being said, if Disney wants to do a young indie series, if okay, if you're listening right now and you have Google, Google image search, unless you're, you're watching Cobra Kai like Kevin and I, uh, Google image search Tanner Buchanan from Cobra Kai because that guy as a young indie would be perfect. perfect. That's, a, that's right? a great shout. That's a great oh shout. Oh, my gosh. Um, but no, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought Fraulein Elsa Schneider was much more likable than Willie up until, uh, spoiler alert, uh, she becomes a, a not likable person. Um, and uh, but, but again, I thought it was pretty good. I think my, my favorite moment has to be with uh, Indy and his, his dad. And he, he's, his dad mentions that she talks in her sleep. And then they just like look at each other. And then he gives this like smile just absolutely phenomenal like so funny 
And they played they those two just played so well off of each other the whole yeah. time. And I, the, the best part, I think there's a 10 year age difference in real life between the two at the time. Um, right. You know, <laughs> uh, but just like Sean Connery, they just strapped him into that sidecar on the bike and had him really go. So like <laughs> he looks terrified because he is terrified He's the whole time they're shooting that scene. And it just works so well. Yeah. Yeah, I love. Um, I also love the moment with the on the blimp when when he's when he throws the guy off the blimp and he's like, "No ticket!" And then all the all the passengers are just like showing their tickets. Oh man, so good. Um, honestly, it's it's fantastic. I think it's honestly the most mature indie movie in my opinion. Like, it kind of feels like it grew up with its audience a little bit. Um, and I I think it's my favorite in the series just because. It it's it felt like it was the smartest. It was the most well written, but it didn't like it didn't sacrifice entertainment at the same time. It was still very entertaining, and it's got John Reese Davies, which I really enjoy uh, as Gimli all the time. So, um, yeah, honestly, fantastic stuff. Uh, Justin, what? Yeah, well, it's been quite a quiet week in terms of content watching. Uh, busy with other stuff, but I did start and finish. Uh, season two of an American crime story, the assassination of uh, Gianni Versace uh, okay. at, at the recommendation Ooh. of Kevin. Cause he was uh, speaking about in our looking forward in 2021 uh, season three featuring the story of Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Um, so I, I wanted to watch this not in preparation, but just so that I had a little bit more of a taste of, of that sort of crime story and, and their, their sort of motif, if you will. Um, cause I was a huge fan of the OJ one. I actually watched that one twice. Couldn't believe that I enjoyed it so much that I like literally within a month watched that show twice. Uh, this one, I probably wouldn't do that. Um, I do think though that they did a really great job with telling the story of the killer so that, you know, you felt some humility for him and you know what he went through, but you also kind of understand the sort of disoriented opinion that he had or, or ideas that he had and how he basically built his life with lies and right. the show does a really interesting thing where where it starts with obviously the the event of the assassination of Gianni Versace and then every episode after it's it's basically going backwards as to how he got to that point oh weird it, it's really it's a, a different way so you could actually probably watch episodes nine to one you could watch it backwards and yeah. then watch episode 10 and really get the full like from start to finish. And I thought yeah. that was kind of interesting to do it because huh. with the OJ story, they did it more or less uh, in order of how things happened based on the case uh, 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 on the trial itself. So so I thought it was I, I, I'll give it, you know, the points for, for actually doing a good job with trying to tell the story a bit differently. But yeah, I thought it was great. I, I would definitely. I'm looking forward to uh, season three, and wh- how this story, uh, uh, Ryan Murphy is going to tell the next story. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So you know, while we're, while we're going on, uh, you know, Indiana adventures here, you're, you're just getting soaked in murder. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, 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 there's this show that's on Netflix that's about the hotel. I can't remember the, the Cecil name. or the. Yeah. Oh gosh, no! Yeah. That, I'm not even gonna. Like, nope. I saw that preview and I was like, oh, this looks scary. I might watch this. Like it. Looks, yeah, that one looks pretty good. I'm, I'm surprised Sarah has it like demanded that we watch it yet. She's maybe it's... not seen the the trailer for it, or else because <laughs> yeah. that'd be right up her alley. Right, and it's 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 apparently based on true events, so mm. it, it'll be interesting to see. So maybe if I'm if I'm bored, I might start that. Um, but that's it for what yet, guys. Uh, this week has been a very unique week. Uh, we had a decent amount of news 
come out for the first time in a while. So for our topic of the show, we thought we'd focus on that this week with six news stories to be covered. But first, it's trailer time. Okay, our first trailer is for Cruella. This is Disney's feature uh, about another villain, Cruella DeVille, um, starring Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, Mark Strong, uh, Paul Walter Hauser, Emily Beecham, and Joel Fry. Uh, The story takes place in 1970s London. A young fashion designer, Estella DeVille, becomes obsessed with dogskin, especially Dalmatians. Finding herself at the mercy of an uncaring employer, she reinvents herself as the vicious Cruella. This film is directed by Craig Gillespie, uh, who also directed I, Tanya, which I, I really loved. I, I don't know if you guys checked that out with uh, Margot Robbie. And um, he also did Lars and the Real Girl, uh, which starred Ryan Gosling. Um, I don't know if you guys had a chance to check that one out. It's, no. it's an older one. It's an older <laughs> yeah. one. Um, both of those films are like funny, dark, but character studies and I, I i don't know like i'm like digging this this movie like i'm kind of i'm interested because it looks like it's going to be more of a character piece rather than like this rich origin story what do you guys think i hope it is a character piece i hope i hope it focuses a lot on her uh but i don't know i feel like like i didn't expect to come out of this trailer being like i'm i'm kind of in i'm kind right? of into it yeah. i'm kind of into this whole idea but but it does I, I think what worries me just a little bit is is that it, it feels like, you know, after we've gotten Birds of Prey, after we've gotten Joker, Disney's kind of just like, Yeah, let's uh oh that'll work for Corella, let's do that. Let's, you know, kinda write something similar. Um but I I will say if if they can make this movie not for kids, and I know it's Disney, but if they can make this movie for adults, uh, and have it solely focus on Cruella uh, then I think it has a chance to be good. I mean, if you look at the poster, uh, even in Emma Stone's name, the the A is the Anarchy logo, right? Mm. So like, it already seems like maybe maybe there's a chance this will be more adult. No, I think you're I, I think the... you're barking up the wrong tree, hoping yeah. for that one, man. <laughs> yeah, nice. I think I think though that like you know Disney was already on their trajectory of doing their stories about villains. They did Maleficent and, you know, they there's been talks of other villain stories that they might they might do or venture into. But I, I agree with you, Nate. I think with the success of things like The Joker or um, you know, Harley Quinn's uh, Birds of Prey uh film, like the 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 success of that only fuels them to feel a little bit more confident about telling their stories about their villains. Maybe they're taking it in more of a character piece direction rather than it being like this, you know, epic sort of origin story, if you will. I hope so. I mean, I I think it's going to probably toe the lines along both of those sort of, Mm. you know, storytelling techniques. And I don't think that just because it's Disney doesn't mean it won't be a PG-13 sort of thing, you know. It will be a more mature story than just evil lady wants dog fur for jacket. Um, (laughs) So it will be a bit more tailored to, you know, the grown up audiences out there. These puns. (laughs) Wow, Kevin. He doesn't even realize he's making them. So I think there's enough there that there's, there's the potential for it to be something to look forward to and not just, you know, a safe sort of story, just retelling something like the Lion King in live action form. This is they're 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 grasping at it and, and they have a story to tell clearly. This is kind of doing what I actually want Disney to do with their live action stuff. I love I actually really enjoyed Maleficent one. I didn't enjoy Maleficent two, but I do think that 
you know, telling these more original stories or stories from a different perspective gets me so much more excited as an original Disney fan. I think for those who grew up with it, I think it's so much more exciting to see these movies that tell a different story. Uh, and I really hope they keep doing this going forward. And I am, uh, just to throw in really quickly before we move on, so excited to see Paul Walter Hauser in the sort of the sidekick role. I mean, he's uh, he's worked with the director before in Itania. He was great as the bumbling sidekick in that one. Uh, as Richard Jewell, he's just amazing. Uh, and I think he's going to bring a really great comedic presence. And I, I've in Disney, you know, cartoon movies and and the, the 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 like my favorite character is often that sort of evil henchman the sidekick and so uh very excited to see what he brings to the role right isn't he also from cobra kai he uh, is, he's right? so good in cobra kai he's the 30 year old <laughs> student enrolling with all yeah. these high school kids yeah he's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah he's always so, so funny so i think he's going to be like a standout in this movie awesome yeah well we won't have to wait too long that comes out may 28th of this year um, but guys, the trailer I really want to talk about, the trailer that dropped, Dude. finally, footage that we have seen for Mortal Kombat! <laughs> um, this is starring, Nate, why don't you just go ahead and tell us who oh, it's starring, because I'm going to yeah. butcher these names <laughs> and it'll be brutal. So Nate, why don't you tell us, who's who's I, starring in this film? I got you, bro. It's It's got Jessica McNamee, uh, you got Hiroyuki. Uh, Sonata. We got Josh Lawson, Joe Taslim, Louis Tan, uh, Tadanobu Asano. I mean, come on. You got Ludi Lin, Chin Han. Um, some really, really fantastic actors there. And oh, CC Stringer is also in it as well. Thank you. Flawless uh, victory. Flawless victory. <laughs> Flawless victory. Right? Uh, but you go. really quickly, just Hiroyuki Sonata uh, from Westworld gets me stoked yes. about his part in yes. this movie. Very, very cool. Yeah, and we will talk about that in one second. Uh, this film is directed by Simon McCoy. Uh, it's his first major directing role. Yeah, that's <laughs> you got to you got to get in somewhere. He does have a reputation in in the ad space of of commercials and and stuff like that. So I don't know. It, this this looks really great. To, to give you guys a, just a quick description here, uh, MMA fighter Cole Young seeks out Earth's greatest champions in order to stand against the enemies of the Outworld in a high stakes battle for the universe. Um, this is going to be amazing. This looked amazing, guys. I I was like literally. I watched the trailer. I watched it again. Then I watched it frame by frame. It looks so good. What did are your thoughts? It, did it we'll look amazing though, or did you did you also feel the same way when you watched the Dragon Ball movie trailer for the first time, where you're like, "Oh yeah, here we go, thing from my childhood," and then that just no, this looks better I than mean, that. Little, I think okay, it looks better because of the technology and what they're capable of doing with movies, but storyline wise, but also because we've seen iterations of it before that have been bad, and this looks better than that okay. at least. And that's all you can like to you know. Let's not hope for a, an Oscar contender here. Let's just hope for a fun movie with a bunch of bloody fatalities and cool characters sure. like mm -hmm. the the silly game that this movie's based off of. And from that standpoint alone, it looks like it's taking itself seriously, but in a fun way versus being a campy, cheesy joke like the 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 ninety five and ninety six iterations were. Yeah. You know, like yeah. to to be able to compare it to that all these years later and it just looks better. That's exciting. I'm enough, just I worried because you know. And we talked a little bit about um, 
the the Justice League trailer and how I thought that you know maybe because I haven't seen some of the films of some of those characters or there, some films haven't even been made for some of those characters that I won't feel invested and so going into this of course I know the characters from the games because uh, I've played a lot of the Mortal Kombat games a lot of the, even the current ones as well I just for me it's it's just like how do you do origin stories for this many characters and still yeah, but have it's it not an origin but, story. Isn't and it? I don't, and I don't think no. we're going to. I think we're going to get the origin story of two characters. Okay. Yes, that'll be Scorpion and Sub Zero, mm. right. and it will be told in the context of this tournament, tournament. that's been going yeah. on for thousands of years. Yes. And we're going to meet a lot of characters who are in the now, and their origin stories will happen in the movie. But like, it's not like you need to know who they are and where they came from. You get Jax's origin story, right? Gets his arms ripped off. Now he has metal arms. <laughs> origin, origin story <laughs> established. What more do we need? But, yeah, it's a cool moment. Don't get me wrong. This this movie's going to be filled with a lot of fun, cool moments. I just kind of like. I don't know. Like, if if you really, really, really want to do this right, why not take the the MCU approach and and flesh out and give us original stories for some of these characters that don't really have that many stories, right? Like, yeah. But I I think I think though that you're missing the point. <laughs> you're missing <laughs> the though? point. Yes, I think you are because honestly, the the focus of the movie is the tournament. Let's remember this. This all derived out of the success of a series of short live action features that were on the right. internet that there was so much fandom around it that people were like well we need to do a movie right the film itself to kevin's point i think will focus on scorpion and sub-zero and the characters around them in this tournament it's going to focus on cole young as he seeks out the earth's greatest champions and it's going to focus on all these characters i i just i don't know like we've seen dc do this dude you're, you're suggesting we've seen dc do this they, they they start with justice league and then this is a little Come bit on. different than a comic. Like these characters aren't as established in pop culture. They're not going to have the same okay. audience, true, and they're not going to be able to get the same audience with a rated with an R rating. Yes, you know they're sacrificing a lot of that stuff to make a movie that's as true as possible to the subject material, which is a fighting video All game, right? right? Okay. Not, not, not eighty years of comic books and stories yes, exactly. and stuff right, like yeah. that. Like I don't yeah. think you need to flush these characters out. Honestly, a minute or two to explain who they are, and then the main idea. Yeah, we follow three or four main characters. The MCU really. I'm just you spoiled. Up, I'm spoiled, now you guys. Like... I'm spoiled, I, and that's yeah. fine. So we needed we needed five origin stories first, and then finally we get the tournament, Mortal Kombat, in the sixth. That sounds movie. amazing. Like I don't think that it, I don't think anybody's Kevin. got the patience Can we just, for that. How much money do okay, they we'll have? See Can in they 2027. Just, I'm down. For, I don't care. I don't care if I have to wait. <laughs> we didn't care if we had to wait for the Avengers, and when we got it, it was phenomenal. Anyways, I'm I'm putting I'm giving I'm just holding everything to a high standard because I think you know I think that's what these properties deserve. But I I'll be well, I'll be pleasantly I, surprised I, if it's if it's great. Yeah, and we're gonna get a huge fight sequence between Sub Zero and Scorpion that will just it. All of these fight sequences are gonna be so much better than that cheesy bad cgi stuff from the 90s where it was like really cheesy blood and you know we're gonna get literal fatalities and like i just don't know how you can't just if you're a fan of the game and want the game this looks like it's the i mean game. The, the blood the freezing of the blood knife in midair was pretty fantastic cool. pretty fantastic cool. uh, i just wonder if if my uh if the birthmark on my right butt cheek uh if that's also the logo for a video game uh i really hope it is I've seen it. Trust me, it's not. <laughs> no, it just means you're touched by the devil. Ooh. The big okay, Agatha okay, Harkness. Back to okay. WandaVision. Okay. <laughs> um, anyways, guys, that movie comes out April 16th. 
2021. I am stoked. I am excited. I think Kevin and I might be a little bit more excited than Nate, given the fact that we grew up with this game. As long as I have fun, it's 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 very much on the same level as Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, and Kong later later on, or a month later, whatever that ends up. A couple months now, whenever I think they've pushed it comes it back. Out. Whenever it's it is out. this year, I think they're both going to be doing the same thing. It's yeah. a really si- silly premise. Make it fun, and that's all you can ask for. That's all you can ask for, exactly. And you know what I'm asking for is can we move on to the news? Because we <laughs> have a ton of stories to actually get through. So let's get to our topic of the show, the news. It's all about the details. Our first news story comes from Matt Kim over at IGN. Marvel gets Punisher and Jessica Jones rights back from Netflix. Um, Marvel has regained the live action rights to Jessica Jones and the Punisher from Netflix. This means all the Marvel characters that Netflix previously held the live action rights to, including Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, have reverted to Marvel. As reported by comicbook.com, the multi-year deal between Marvel and Netflix has officially come to close now that the last remaining Marvel heroes Netflix held the rights to are now back in their hands. Netflix kept the rights to the Marvel characters for a two-year period after the cancellation of the show, which means characters like Daredevil already reverted back to Marvel in about late 2020, and now Jessica Jones and Punisher are now finally changing back into Marvel hands. What Marvel will do with these characters now, that's kind of up in the air. For example, there are reports that have suggested that Daredevil star Charlie Cox has been spotted on set for the upcoming Spider-Man 3 starring Tom Holland. Um, So guys, my question to you, where do you want to see these characters show up in the MCU? And do you think they should be recasted or should Marvel just keep the Netflix cast? I, I think there's if, hey. if there was only one uh, person I would recast, it would be Iron Fist. Um, I just I know that that whole series kind of went downhill. And I think I think they have the opportunity to, to do something um, a little bit true to the the actual character's origin in the comic books with that. Um and uh, and and that would be the only one I would change because honestly, everyone else is absolutely fantastic. I I I I wouldn't change any of them. And I almost think on that point you can't have one without the other, if you will. Like if if you're going to recast any of them, you have to recast really? them all, or you suck it up and go ah, there was one bad one yes. bad one out of ev- ev- but if everyone else is already there, you've established them without needing a movie to do it. Now these characters could jump in in a almost a guest appearing role in a big fight or something, uh, you know, a, uh, a sequence, uh, even just a few scenes in a movie to help out a character based on their skills. And then I don't see them being major players, but I, I think they've established them enough that they can pop in and people will either know who they are or just have to deal with, under, you know, like, I don't know. I, but again, to, to your original point, Nate, I don't think you can pick and choose which ones come in. You don't want that confusing sort of, precedent being set yeah i i agree with you kev i didn't mind finn jones as iron fist i do think the ball was dropped with his story and his origin story so i agree with you there nate um i thought finn jones was fine i just don't think that story was really well done um in regards to though like where i'd like to see these characters uh, i'm just gonna throw it out there i 100 percent want to see jessica jones show up in she hulk oh yeah that would be great that'd be amazing 
um, as like a detective who's working on a case and She-Hulk is is kind of, you know, is the representative of maybe someone or, you know, maybe she's a, a confidant that uh, She-Hulk will have investigate something. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's, well, yeah, because She-Hulk, She-Hulk's supposed to be more case of the week sort of thing, right? Yeah, At least a, to begin. There, yeah. Yes. Um, so even if she pops in for a case here or there, you yeah. know what I mean? And then maybe yeah. they there's a bigger case that takes a little while longer that they can work on. Go. That'd be great. Yep. You could have uh, Daredevil showing up in Spider-Man. That's great. Uh, Finn Jones is Iron Fist showing up in some capacity with Shang-Chi. But like Punisher showing up with Moon Knight or being like the enemy oh, to Moon wow. Knight. Yo, that would be dope. I think... Like, I think the groundwork is already laid. Now, we, we, we have left out, obviously, someone like Luke Cage, who I feel could kind of fit in any of them. Like, he could be with Jessica Jones in She-Hulk. He could be in Moon Knight. I think the street level sort of, you know, that that mentality of, because that's kind of the motif to those heroes is they were more street level, right? They weren't the cosmic superheroes. They were the the street level heroes, right? Yeah, they were taking down big bad guys who had guns and stuff, not necessarily mm-hmm. alien overlords yep. coming in to, you know, conquer the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they are, like you said, that more street level, that more nitty gritty, uh, that more just crime centric. And I think the one standout performance from that crossover um, uh, that could really be a huge presence in the Marvel Cinematic Universe would be Kingpin. And if you brought in oh, D'Onofrio, who's please. so good in that role, like, My you God, know. yes, please bring him like that. Honestly, you just bring him. Do you yeah. know what I mean? If you're going to if, if, if anything, if you want to recast the rest of them, do it. But Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin was fantastic. That was such a good. Cast. I don't know. I also Nick. think if, if we're talking big bads, you know, as well, casting wise, I think David Tennant in the MCU has to happen at some point. Like I think him mm. as Mr. Pur- or Purple Man or whatever he was called, Mr. Purple Guy, uh, from Jessica Jones was was so so well done and he was so fun to hate. He, I just he's like a top three villain in any Marvel right? story that we've seen in the last ten to fifteen I years. Think he I would think. be yeah, so absolutely. cool, and he, he would very much fit into this this multiverse world, right? I think you know if you were to bring him in, and again, even if you don't want to acknowledge any of these Netflix stories, that's fine with me. I don't care. So just to give like an actual background, there is connectivity between those stories and the MCU. There was references to the event in New York. So it exists in in that MCU timeline. Yeah, and I just think I just think the critical and audience reception to those shows was good enough. Just they the groundwork's there. So anybody who wants the origins of these characters can go and find that. But now they can sort of just be more instantly inserted into a story without having to worry about uh, background and I just think with so many characters coming in and so many stories that are being announced all the time to redo something that was done recently and done well yes. it almost feels like a waste of time and effort and just and it be distracting so just exactly bring these characters in and and have them be the established ones that people know I'll tell you what I think the best theory is Charlie Cox's Daredevil showing up in Spider-Man as his lawyer. I think I love I love that idea. I just That'd be I really that cool. Would be great. That'd be, that would be really awesome. And that would just be a really great way to to introduce to your point uh that those characters into this MCU without necessarily having to give the backstory. So, um well, from one comic cinematic universe to another, let's talk about the Snyder cut. We actually have two stories that I've condensed into one. Um first, Uh, Last week, uh, when we did our trailer, Nate had proposed the idea that potentially, potentially, Zack Snyder's 
uh, Justice League cut would be uh, a square <laughs> movie. Yeah. Uh, it would be entirely square, which is why we've been seeing all the trailers and, and everything like that in a square. And I, I was like, nah, there's no way that they're going to be doing this in square. And in fact, it is going to be in a square. Uh, yes, all the new Justice League, which will premiere on March 18th on HBO Max, will be presented fully inside a square. Sources have confirmed to IGN that Zack Snyder's four-hour reassembling of Justice League is using the boxy 1 by 331 ratio. The director's love for the format stemmed from the IMAX scenes he shot when for Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, which were rendered in full frame in a four in a one by four three aspect ratio. So basically it was cropping it. Ever since that movie, Snyder has been enamored with square composition and the idea of using it for future projects. He goes on record as saying, My intent was to have the movie, the entire film, play in a gigantic one by four three aspect ratio on a giant IMAX screen. Superheroes tend to be as figures, they tend to be less horizontal. Maybe when Superman's flying, sure. But when he's standing, he's more vertical. Everything is composed and shot with that in mind. And a lot uh, went into the restoration of trying to bring back that ratio. It's a completely different aesthetic. It's just got a different quality and one that's unusual. No one is doing it. So that's his statement about... Mm. Uh, doing a square, uh, and if cut. nobody's doing it, then it must be right. <laughs> well, I, I, so let me let, let's get into part two of this story now. Uh, just we, weeks away from the release of of Snyder's Justice League, it has been revealed that Warner Brothers is not paying the director for his what? work. He went on record with Vanity Fair saying, "I'm not getting paid." He claims that going without a wage means that he holds creative control on the project. Oh, okay. I didn't want to be beholden to anyone and it allowed me to keep my negotiating powers with these people pretty strong. So that makes sense. You're not getting a paycheck there. You retain your creative control over the movie. So guys, my question to you, even though this might might keep to the original vision of what Zack Snyder was trying to achieve, does it make sense releasing this this film in this format on HBO Max and not in IMAX? And what are your thoughts on him not making any money? From it doesn't make any sense, uh, just like him. Uh, and and honestly, it's it's like it just it's such a him thing to do. But at the same time, him not making any money off of it really speaks to his passion for this, his love for this, the fact that he would dedicate so much time into this uh, to not really make anything back. Um, you know, I, 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 that gets me at least eight respect points on that side. You know, again, as much as we can trash this movie and, and trash the trailer and, and think that it's going to be a, a terrible four hours at, you know, at least at the end of the day, you can see just how dedicated this guy is. Well, yeah. And I think, uh, I don't think it's uh, necessarily uncommon for things like this to happen where, you know, it's certain people when making a movie have to sacrifice something for the sake of the project and so it kind of makes sense i bet you he's getting points back somehow if this thing does well uh if it ever sees a theater as a special re-release i'm sure he'd get some cut from it there you know and this is if it does well it's you know like a an audition tape again to sort of re-enter that sort of world or whatever um in terms of the uh, the aspect ratio, the the size of the screen, whatever he's going with, 
with it won't bother i would if you didn't tell me that he had done this i would have watched that whole movie and gone oh it was a square <laughs> didn't even notice like i just i just don't tend to put too much thought into that um and i think it'll almost benefit somebody like me who wouldn't notice that but maybe subconsciously is like darn these these superheroes do look very tall in this movie for some reason um but like i can see how it will drive people I feel absolutely like, insane. I think people are going to think that their TVs are broken <laughs> or that they're like that. The oh, there's no, there's settings you have like to that. change on the, on the HBO app or whatever. Right? right. So then what they're going to do is so that it fills the screen is they're going to stretch it and then it's going to look even worse <laughs> and it's not going to be so like that to me, like my thing is, is that if it was intended for IMAX, then create an IMAX screened version that will screen in IMAX when things do get back to normal. But you want to get this out. You want people to have the best experience with, with their in-home experience, then why do it in a square? Like I, I, I get the idea of creative intuition or creative passion of wanting to see your project the way, but you're not even going to see it that way. It's not going to be in an IMAX theater, right? And if, if this goes bad and nobody wants to see it again, who's going to go to an IMAX and watch it for four hours, right? Like yeah, yeah. I just I, I watched a little video that IGN put together, and they were taking scenes from the original Justice League and oh. cropping this, them into this new aspect ratio. And the difference is you have some black bars on the side of your screen instead of the top and bottom. You're still mm-hmm. filling out the screen. I was watching it on a little rectangle on my phone, mm-hmm. and I could see the difference that the shots was making, but it wasn't necessarily that I, was, I wasn't I was seeing enough. And that's on a tiny little phone. Most people's TVs are big enough now that, you know, the the even this aspect ratio will fill up a lot of that screen. It'll still be big, and it's just a – I think it's a cool risk to take. Yeah, you I know? mean, if, if anyone has listened to my – uh, my pitch for how Marvel should bring the uh, Fantastic Four into the MCU. You know, you'll I know how easy it is to just go down a rabbit hole and really, really want to stick to my guns. Uh, you know, no matter how you know uh, it so might true. turn out. So, so you know, but I mean, you have to imagine when he started this project, he didn't. The, obviously, no one anticipated that he wouldn't be able to release it in IMAX, right? So he, you know, he he has sure. his vision. He has what he wants to do. And you know what? Let him let him do it, I guess. But I do think it's it's it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I, I feel like though, for you to really appreciate that verticality in those shots, it will be on that big IMAX yeah. screen when it is all that is filling, right? Like we've gone to movies where it keeps cutting from IMAX, and it's just so jarring, right? Like as it cuts between those different frame aspect ratios. His intent was so that it fills the entire frame for the entire right. movie, and I think that that is going to be the best experience to do that is is in IMAX theater. So maybe I'll actually go check it out again once if if it does get released into IMAX probably won't though to be honest with you. So we'll 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 have to wait and see on that. Okay, cool. Our third news story is uh coming from Joseph Noop at IGN. God, IGN just giving us all the news. I love it. <laughs> uh Plan Toronto Esports Arena has 7,000 seats and looks wild. Yes. Uh, now, is for our listeners, we are Toronto-based, so this obviously hits home, huh? Yeah, huh? okay. Get it? Um, anyways, uh, the world of Toronto esports is getting a big makeover. A new $500 million entertainment Holy. venue with seating for up to 7,000 fans is currently being planned for a 2025 opening. Uh, overactive media owners of Overwatch League's Toronto Defiant and Call of Duty League's Toronto Ultra announced plans for a new venue on Monday. 
uh, the currently unnamed venue, which will be located on a four-acre plot north of Lakeshore Boulevard in Toronto's 192-acre exhibition place grounds, will be the first sports or entertainment venue built in the city since the construction of BMO Field in 2007. Overactive Media says the facility plans to host more than 200 events each year, mostly entertainment and music bookings, while also facilitating conventions, Ooh. corporate events, award shows, and esports competitions, of course. Uh, the venue is actually being designed by Populous, a design firm responsible for the work uh, for working on events such as the London Olympics, uh, some Super Bowls, and Yankee Stadium. The plan for the venue is still in early stages. Toronto City Council and Exhibition Place Board of Governors have yet to finalize the approval and the proposal. So, guys, uh, would you attend an esports tournament here in Toronto at this venue? I'm pretty sure I know the answer for one person. And what do you think this means for the city and the world of esports? Nathaniel, let's start with you. When you're talking about esports in such a serious manner, you have to call me by my full name, uh, my my gamer <laughs> name, Nathaniel. Um, but <laughs> but no, honestly, this looks fantastic. And even just as like even just cool. as like a, a concert space or a convention space, I'm I'm really excited for it. Um, I saw a tweet that somebody put out that said that the renderings look kind of it kind of looks like a PS5 on its side a little bit. Uh, yeah. Which I think yeah, is yeah. so beautiful and and futuristic looking, uh, and just even the placement mm. of where it is in Toronto is so so perfect. Um, I think honestly, yeah, why not legitimize esports? I mean, if if this is you know if we're going to start seeing esports in things like the Olympics, I know for the Japanese Olympics they were supposed to be kind of the debut of esports in the Olympics. Then it makes sense that we would have you know some spaces uh, in in some of these big cities for 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 these these teams to compete. Well, to be fair, esports is a multi-billion dollar industry. It's, you know, it's huge. It's grown so much. And the fact that, you know, Toronto's getting uh, a venue for such esports just puts us on the map even more so. So that if potentially tournaments and, and whatnot, uh, you know, expand uh, and decide they want to, you know, set up shop here for a tournament, they can do that. I think that this is great for, for Toronto um, being a sort of like a hub for all sorts of different pop culture and just cultural sort of events in general. Um, it fits really well to have an esports arena. Kev, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think um, if you told me just straight up they're building a half a billion dollar stadium for people to play video games <laughs> in, I would be very um, skeptical, yeah, yeah. to say the least, about it. Just because, I don't. I mean, you look at something like the Air Canada Centre, now known as the Scotiabank Arena, built in 99 for $250 million. And this is the home of, you know, the two of the biggest sporting teams in the city, if not the country, uh, you know, and so now all of a sudden, uh, even with inflation, this thing is projected to be about $150 million more. But the idea that it's simply being built to be able to host esports tournaments, whereas I don't think you'd have that kind of infrastructure in an older building. And so there's sort of making it something that could be modern for that, but also like I would 
be the first to go see a, a cool 7,000 seat concert and at that, you know, like a nice intimate show and a really fancy, like it looks beautiful. I think it'll be like Nate said, a great addition to the city. It is in a terrific sp- spot. I've uh, had to use public transportation to get out to uh, some games at BMO field and stuff. And it's so easy to do. And so it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. The interior kind of reminds me of like a Roy Thompson, hall but bigger, right? Or a Massey hall, but bigger, yeah. right? Yeah. Like it definitely is larger. So I'm looking forward to seeing what sort of concerts they'll put in this venue, especially like to your point, Kevin, it being so up to date, it looks cool. It's it's pretty cool that we're you know we're getting something like that on, on, on in Toronto. And anytime like, Toronto can lead the forefront on sure. the future of entertainment, like I'm all yep. for it. You know, with the TIFF Lightbox stuff a few years yeah. back, and, now and there's there's a little yeah. there's a little concert series. I don't know if it's gone the way of the Dodo now, um, and I don't even know if they could afford to 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 be here in this this arena, but. Um, called Video Games Live from Toronto. And they would always, like, I guess they go around the world, but I always saw them in Toronto, obviously. And I'm just, like, looking at one of the screenshots here of, like, this guy, like, playing the piano. It looks like there's this girl, and it's, like, almost looks like a Tron scene (laughs) on the stage there. But, like, Mm -hmm. that's literally what Video Games Live kind of even felt like. So, you know, to see some Mm -hmm. of the... For for it to be so big that maybe we get some of these more sort of um, arena-style shows, but, you know, I guess still scaled back to stage... Oh man, that is so cool! And to think oh. that maybe even uh, you know a future, you know, fan expo or comic con, if they can afford to to be here, um, would be really really fantastic. Imagine sitting in there and seeing the new trailer for you know the next Star Wars movie or the next you know uh, big thing. I think it would be so awesome. Yeah, I, I think it's multi purpose, right? It's esports is definitely it's it's bread and butter, but I think the reality is is that it's going to service a lot of other. Uh, realms of entertainment. Yeah, to fill out to, to fill out that two hundred date calendar, you're going to need yeah, a lot sure. more than just esport events. For sure, for sure, for sure. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, speaking of esports and video games, our next story comes from Joe Otterson at Variety. Twisted Metal, a very popular uh, PlayStation uh, series of games, a television series is in the works from the writers of Deadpool. It's a live action series adaptation of Twisted Metal. Sony Pictures, television and PlayStation productions are developing a series based on the vehicular combat games, uh, the first of which was released in 1995. It was originally reported in 2019 that Sony was interested in developing a series based on the games. The new series is described as an action comedy based on an original take from Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, who are the writers of Deadpool and uh, Zombieland. Deadpool 1 and 2. Amazing. The live action TV series is reported to center around an unnamed protagonist trying to complete a delivery in a post-apocalyptic world in exchange for a promise to a better life. Not much else is known, though it is said the clown character, Sweet Tooth, a reoccurring antagonist clown who drives an ice cream truck, will make an appearance. Michael Jonathan Smith, who most recently wrote and produced Cobra Kai, will write and executive produce the series along with Reese and Wernick. Will Arnett will executive produce via his Electric Avenue production company. Uh, There are also speculations that Arnett will voice Sweet Tooth, which is a pretty perfect cameo. But according to an individual with knowledge uh, on the project, no deal is currently in place for him to do so. So, guys, I remember Twisted Metal. I wasn't a huge fan of this game. Um, but, you know, like, is this something you will, you want to see? I went back and played the first Twisted Metal not too long ago. And I remember, honestly, 
like it was one of those things where it's like you might as well leave it in your memories because they're they're always going to be better than what it actually was and so you know this game was never the the best game but being the first game to kind of sort of uh, skirt that edge between mortal kombat violence but still you know still being for a younger audience but um yeah. but no i i think this is a really really cool team of people that's doing this the fact that um that we've got uh, the writer of, of cobra kai just kind of really tells me that you know to what you guys were saying about mortal kombat really trying you know if it if it owns being mortal kombat um i think i think the fact that you've got that writer on there hopefully he's got just as much a passion for this so that he can really make the movie own being a twisted metal show well yeah and i and i and i I'll agree that I think the the writing choices that they've made fit the tone of what the show should be pretty well. And so hopefully they can really tap into that. Um, but I mean, it, if you just said, oh, a twisted metal TV show, all I could think. So what is it? A guy who keeps entering these destruction derbies in his car. And like, that doesn't sound like there'd be a lot to it. But so the way they've got it sort of... <clears throat> set in a grander world where mm -hmm. maybe this sort of destruction derby is kind of a way of life on the, <laughs> yeah. on the streets uh, versus confined into an arena. That sounds very fun. It's almost like Mad Max, but moved into like a, a dystopian sort of city versus like that desert landscape. But you've still got people driving around, smashing each other in goofy cars yeah, maybe it's and, even, even, and whatnot. Maybe it's that even like a fun. road trip comedy, right? And then, and then in a Mad Max world, I think that's... That yeah, exactly, awesome. exactly. So based on that description, I'm a little bit more like, okay, that could be a lot of fun, especially with, you know, tongue-in-cheek writers and whatnot, for sure. The the interesting thing is, to Kevin's point, how they're able to take the concept of the game and adapt it into something that would be entertaining. Um, you know, I, I see almost like a, a boy's vibe to this. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like very, you know, like in that sort of tongue-in-cheek, dark humor. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and also very, you know, very visceral. Like it's just, it's, it's a very, you know, like I wasn't a fan of the game, but it, it, based on what the game is and what they're trying to do with the show, I, I applaud them for, for trying to do something different. Yeah. I think it. we'll see at least one character explode at least. Right. So yeah. 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 At least, uh, at least what, every five minutes. <laughs> yeah, you mean? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so our next story, it's a bit different, um, but given their connection to one of the geekiest properties out there, I thought we should discuss. Mm. This comes from Gemma Swad over at Variety, who writes, Daft Punk has split yep. up. Publicist confirms. <laughs> Daft Punk, one of the most influential and popular groups to emerge in the past 30 years, have announced their retirement via a video entitled Epilogue, posted Monday morning. The duo's longtime publicist, Catherine Fraser, officially confirmed the split to Variety and declined to provide further details. While their rep declined to say anything else, it's hard to say whether the duo will continue working together under different names or whether other new projects are in the works. It seems likely, considering the group's famously contrarian and convention-mocking history, that they will continue to release music, videos, and whatever other projects strike their fancy. It is even possible that this announcement could be the beginning of a new project. So rather than it being an end, it could be the end of just this story starting a new right. story. Uh, apart from the two songs with The Weeknd, the duo's musical efforts in the uh, years since have been low profile. But given their past history, it's extremely unlikely 
that we've heard the last of these two, whether or not they're working together or as Daft mm. Punk. So this is huge. I, I know you guys know this. Uh, we've I've shared this with you guys. I'm a huge fan of of the Tron soundtrack. That was oh, yeah. like top tier for me um, in terms of like movie scores. And, and I'm a fan of most of their work as as I grew up with it. Um, but what do you what do you guys feel? How do you guys feel about this split? What do you think this means for their future i mean the whole internet is is really freaking out about this um and i i kind of just i don't know i kind of take from it that they maybe just want to go their separate ways they want to do their own things i mean if you watch the epilogue video um mm-hmm. it kind of mm-hmm. looks mutual right because you can see that moment where you know uh i believe it's uh, thomas is it thomas that turns around and guy manuel uh pushes these buttons and he walks away and then he explodes Right? Yeah, I, I, the sentiment is definitely like they're walking together. One slows down, yeah. the other turns around to say, "Hey, what's going on?" And then it's just this sort of acceptance of, "Well, it's time to exactly." Part. But the fact that he walked away and he blew up, <laughs> like you but know I think what I mean? That's like a, that's to more me, of a, that's like they're blowing things I think that's up. More of a, like they're blowing sure. That's more, up. but that's more of like a Daft Punk sort of uh, fun sure. Daft Punk thing to do. I just think with the with the song that's in there. I mean, you can you can hear Touch playing uh, at the at the ending there. And the last lyric in there is, I need something more, right? And so to me, that's just that's just them saying like, you know what, one of us, maybe just it needs something more than what we've got right now. We, we want to focus sure. on our own projects. Sure. And I hope, I hope we hear, you know, at some point, like a reunion I think would be really cool. But yeah, you know what, as long as we keep getting music from either of them in the future, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, I think that it's, it's definitely about something to do with, a creative sort of separation or this idea of wanting to pursue different things because as the other one walks off um you know it's just it's it's very reminiscent of parting ways and and finding new beginnings and new paths right so i I think you're on to something there yeah absolutely i think uh you know the initial reaction and the initial reports all suggest you know made it seem like it was it was they were breaking up you know what i mean you've you know you hear about these bands and they break up just due to animosity and resentment and Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And this felt very, very different from that. Just the way it was handled, just the way they chose the clips that they chose from previous works to sort of represent what they were trying to say with this. I think it was absolutely more of a, yeah, this is us perhaps going our separate ways or, or heading towards something new, but on a on a level of very much, a, a, it's an amicable, mutual sort of decision here. I don't think it's the last we'll ever hear uh, from them. Uh, e- even under just the Daft Punk label alone. Um, but yeah, this could be them doing something new, like you said, or taking a break or maybe even hanging it up. But again, I don't think it's the last we'll ever see or hear from them, especially because it just seems to be on such a level of mutual understanding and not something out of am- am- animosity or anything like that. Yeah, it's not it's not like they're breaking up because they feuded, right? Like, it's not like that. It seems like it is a very mutual sort of creative thing. I, I just hope... I really, really hope they come back for Tron 3. You know, you hear about these bands also reaching a peak and then sort of leaving on a high note. I don't think that this is a peak, though. I don't like, I, listen, I don't get me wrong. They're, they're, they've done amazing stuff, but I still see them as having more to go. They're pretty young, right? Like they're not, it's, it's not been that long of a, a journey. I would imagine they've got to be in their fifties. No, no, what? Yes. If they've been doing this for th- if they've been doing this for thirty years, oh, maybe right. Yes. Their first album was what ninety four. So they've been doing this for 
quite they're not young guys but i mean if your last collaboration was on two of the biggest songs of the last five years with arguably the biggest artists in the world of the last few years you could do worse than a couple collabs with the weekend on on a huge album <laughs> right. right like sure. if that was if that was the last thing they did you know it's not a bad mm. way to go out awesome okay our last news story guys this is it and this one is actually hitting the news right now. Two different Spider-Man 3 titles announced by Tom Holland and Jacob Batalon. Matt Patches over at Polygon, who is reporting, announced on Holland's Instagram one title for the third installment of the Marvel Sony franchise is Spider-Man Phone Home. The subtitle falls right in line with the high school-themed Homecoming and European adventure sequel Far From Home and creates even more distance from Peter Parker's home of New York City. Also, it's a good E.T. nod. But wait, is that the title? In a separate post, co-star Jacob Batalon shared a different still from the set with a different title treatment. Get ready for it. Spider-Man Homewrecker. Based on casting reports, neither Marvel Studios nor Sony Pictures have yet technically confirmed Spider-Man 3 will see Spidey sucked up into the multiverse. Holland and Batalon's title goof seem to play right into the premise, whether either is legit or not, which still, again, has not yet been confirmed. I'm calling BS considering Zendaya's just announced her own title. Which is? Spider-Man, Home Slice. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 think, I, think, I think this is the cast having fun. Yeah? Um, I think the cast is having fun because this is their soft launch for a title that will be revealed. Okay. So they're they're hyping the fact that a title is going to be revealed and they're giving you absurd title names that, you know, are just ridiculous. Maybe, Justin, they're giving us absurd title names for Spider-Man movies that are coming out in a different universe throughout the multiverse. I mean, that's such a fun way to kind of work your marketing right and especially with everything happening where you know we hear about tom holland leaking things to for them to just be like here uh leak this have fun with this you know make this happen um i think it just plays really really well into that that multiverse uh theme that the movie's probably going to go for i don't i don't discredit the fact that the reason why they're doing three different titles is to play with the multiverse concept a hundred percent i i agree with you but i think it's a stunt that the marketing team uh, and and have collaborated and given these actors who have very predominant followers, uh, you know this this like hey take this like I'm sure it was all put into a hat. Do you know what I mean? And they each just picked one, yeah. right? And like you know Zidane was like oh home slice I'll do that <laughs> yeah, one for, for sure. sure I'll do that one right. So I, I feel like it's 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 more of a soft launch to hype us for the inevitable title, which I think is either going to come. The, I don't know. Could come tomorrow. Yeah, by could the come time by you're the listening this to week. this, it probably is already out, in my opinion. Yeah, it'll probably already be out by the time this this podcast is hit. So a hundred percent. So I'm honestly, I'm honestly hoping they go in a direction that pays tribute to another great franchise out there. I hope they call this one Spider-Man Three: Tokyo Drift. <laughs> Uh, I think that's the natural direction for the for the sure, franchise. Yeah. It just yeah. makes sense. <laughs> what if they just go with Spider Man Three? Yeah, I think Home. I think because I'm pretty sure up. they confirmed that Home is actually going to be in the title, no matter what. It, well, it's, I think, it's gotta I think be. It's gotta well, be. You can't just stop yeah, that now. No, for sure. And I and I think that's part of this this whole ploy and this stunt is how ridiculous you can you can make your titles using the word yeah. Home. 
right? Yeah. So it's really to set the, the tone of, of what could the title be if it's using the word home, right? Yep, yeah, they go they go uh, full Western motif. It's Spider-Man, home on the range. I'm down. there. Oh, you know, he, now that everybody knows his identity and he's maybe um, uh, on his own, Spider-Man, home alone. Uh, yes. You know, he's... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah to, Spider-Man, home alone sounds like the best option given the state of the multiverse um hey guys future justin here so we actually did find out the official name of the movie and it's called spider-man 3 no way home which speaks even more to the multiverse idea so i guess we'll just have to wait and see what the story's all about this christmas well guys that is it for this week's episode we did it we got through the news wow we got through There's it all. a lot of news. There was a uh, lot. That's fun. See, and we said it. We've been saying it for weeks here. We knew it. A big news week was coming. There was going to be just this this news dump, and, and it feels like the last five days have been a bit of a whirlwind in that. Lots lots sure. to digest. Yeah, we'll, we'll continue with this motif of, of doing uh, you know a news episode where we kind of bundle a, a variety of news stories together, anything that we miss or, or anything that's happening in moment, just like this Spider-Man story as it's breaking the internet. Um, but anyways, guys, that's it for us. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you did make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts we are geek centric and you can be too which means you can also check us out on youtube at youtube.com slash geek follow us on twitter at geek yt and follow us on instagram at we are geek centric and if you want to let us know what you think of all the geeky news that we shared with you today you can reach us at we are geekcentric at gmail.com. That's we are geekcentric at gmail.com. Also, you can catch Nate on stream every Thursday and Sunday night over at twitch.tv slash Nate plays games. Nate, what what you what you playing? Yeah. What you playing over there on that? Playing Twitch? more more Cyber Shadow, uh, which again is a side scrolling, super difficult game. Um, and yeah, it it's weird. but it's honestly it's so much fun, and and it's one of those things where like you might come in and and feel like yeah I'll, I'll pop in and and see Nate for a second, but honestly like once you see just how dedicated I am to getting from checkpoint to checkpoint, uh, I know uh you know friend of the show Andy uh was was tuning in at one point and he stayed with me for like a solid hour late into the night just because he was like i need to see this guy pull through so uh so i was happy he did and then as soon as i got to the checkpoint he's like all right i'm out my job here is done <laughs> i was like all right great <laughs> uh, so definitely definitely check that out of course on sunday nights anything to do with mario mario 64 uh super mario 35 uh super mario 3d world is going to be coming up on uh, on this sunday uh so definitely check that out how many stars are you up to on uh, 64 I, honestly, there? I, I don't remember. I think 60-something now. I think I'm at 60-something. I'd say that's an improvement you know? from last weekend. So you're making progress <laughs> slowly but surely, man. It's all you can for hope sure. for. Well, that's all that any of us could ever <laughs> hope for is Nate to progress on his stars. Uh, awesome. All right, guys. Well, Kevin, Nate, thank you so much for joining me for today's informative yeah, episode. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And as we say... Love ya. Stay home safe, guys. Peace.